Our gospel lesson for the morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, beginning at the 24th verse of the 7th chapter through verse 37. Let us hear God's word. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private away from the crowd and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, once upon a time. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. In our family, there was no clear line between religion and fly fishing. A river runs through it, Norman MacLean. Call me Ishmael. Of course, Moby Dick, Herman Melville. You better not never tell nobody but God. Alice Walker in The Color Purple. All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Leo Tolstoy, Anna Karenina. Or this one, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal, thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. That's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, J.K. Rowling. Or if books don't quite work for you, think about these lines from movies, Rosebud, Citizen Kane. Or I'm 36 years old, I love my family, I love baseball, and I'm about to become a farmer. 
But until I heard the voice, I'd never done a crazy thing in my whole life. Field of dreams. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. Anyone? Anyone? Yes, that's right. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Or I believe in America. America has made my fortune. That's the Godfather. Or if not books or not movies, what about these television theme songs? Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. Yes, the Beverly Hillbillies. Or Space, the Final Frontier, Star Trek. Or here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. That's the Brady Bunch. Or finally this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, Book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. My hunch is that all of those opening words prompt something in your imagination. You imagine Celie in the color purple, or Don Corleone, or even Jed and Granny and Jethro and Ellie Mae. Something deep within you is tapped when you sense that a funny story, or a sad one, or a meaningful one is coming. Welcome. Welcome to a year of stories. It's an annual theme different than some. We've had topics and good topics, but a year of stories is less of a topic and more of an activity or an action, a a thing. We tell stories, we hear stories, we share stories about ourselves, about our loved ones, about work and play, about triumphs and tragedies. From the distant past and the far-off future and the right here and now. Some are fact, some are fiction, but they grab and compel us. Stories have power. So that's what we will do. Tell and hear and share stories. Some will be from the Bible, of course. Some will be from our past, including this church's past. Some will be about others beyond this church community, but many will be about us. You and me will tell them in worship and in other gatherings. We'll share them in writing. We'll share them online, Facebook and Twitter. We'll create new stories together. We are living, in fact, into a new story even as we gather this morning. So why stories? The writer Jeff Goins says this. Story is where we came from. Story is where we're going. Story is what connects us and binds us to each other. It is in the story of humanity amongst love and fear and failure that we make meaning of our lives. Story is what defines us and sets us apart. It's what allows us to connect with each other, to truly know and be known. A good story has conflict, Gowen says, but ultimately resolves. A story is messy and full of confusion, but there is meaning and completeness to it. A story is about people and places, not ideas and concepts. Stories are concrete, absolute, and certain, yet they are mysterious. Stories have natural momentum to them, fueling our passion to find out more from the teller.
The scientist Edward Wilson asserts that the universal love of stories is not a coincidence. Our brains function by constructing narratives. Adults and children alike live, learn, and relate to others through stories. The story, according to educational theorist Kieran Egan, not only conveys information and describes events and actions, but it also engages our emotions. And Jessica Fox and Don Cohen write that a good story reliably communicates essential knowledge, so it is not only understood, but absorbed and embraced. And we see all this working in this morning's gospel lesson from Mark's gospel. We could read a propositional account of how we are called to be mindful of those in need, in particular those on the fringes of society, but rather we have a woman, a Gentile woman no less, an outsider therefore both because of her gender and religion, teaching Jesus a hard lesson about justice. And then Jesus teaches us an important lesson about inclusion and diversity as he restores the hearing of a deaf man. Those stories resonate when a theological lecture or sermon can't, as we place ourselves in the middle of them, imagining ourselves in the crowd, or the woman with the sick daughter, or the man unable to hear. The simple, profound power of story. Feels like a modest proposition but it is in no way simplistic. So here's what I think it looks like. We each have a story, our life. It is a gift of God, and because it is just that, it is a story worth telling. It's worth it to your own soul to tell your story, so don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And because we each have a story worth telling, we are called to tell it in all its human honesty. That might mean simply whispering it to yourself if you've been conditioned to believe that your life story is not worth telling. But it may mean more than that, and we'll feature ways to do that this year. And it means, therefore, that because each of our lives is a story worth telling, that we are equally called to listen to the stories of others. We're not a very good culture when it comes to listening, it seems to me. So this is a countercultural invitation to listen, to hear, as well as to speak. Now that brings in an ethical component to all of this, of course. There are many here in this room, or in our city, or in our world, unable to tell their own stories. It may be for a personal condition, very individual. Or it may be for a worldly condition, an unjust imposition. What can we do? We who know the liberating power of story to help remove obstacles to others so that all of God's beloved children can tell their stories, can tell and share and be heard. That's what we hear from James this morning, I believe. James writes that if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? 
That is to say, if someone doesn't have what they need, food, clothing, shelter, or if they are subject to the forces of racism or sexism or other forms of injustice, if they are impeded in any way to live the full God-given story of their life, our call is to respond. So, we tell our stories, and we listen to the stories of others, enabling them to do so when they can't find their own voice. But it's more than that. Whether it's the 21st century or the last 100 years or 500 years, history and culture and politics has lifted, lifted up the individual. We know better. We know and affirm it deeply in our faith that our stories are woven together, intermixed and intermingled. The communion of saints, our tradition has called it. People we will never meet, people we might not like if we did meet them, no matter. Our story is bound to theirs and theirs to ours. It begins in church which is one reason this worship gathering matters, and then it permeates through and beyond these walls. We share a common story, which is even more than a collection of individual stories. And we do better as a human family when we remember that. And one thing more, of course. The same God in whose image we are created who gives us life and breath and does the same for every other fellow traveler, continues to write stories on human hearts and in the world created and called good. Our individual stories flow in and between and around the stories of others and ultimately flow into God's story. Its rough outlines are captured in the biblical pages, which begin, as I'm sure you noticed, with a story and not a theological proposition, creation and redemption and salvation. It culminates in the Jesus story and involves countless women and men and children, some whose names we will know and some whose names are surely written on God's heart. But it does not end there. Though it's a tagline from the United Church of Christ, who apparently have a more clever marketing team than we Presbyterians, we can still affirm it. God is still speaking. God's story is not yet finished. God is still speaking through God's own voice and through the lives and voices and stories of all of God's children, including us, here, now. Amen.